righteous man avails much. And so it's very important that we are uh, praying. Here are a few thoughts about prayer. A Christian must get on his knees before he can get on his feet. When life knocks you to your knees, you're in a position to pray. Some people pray for a bushel but carry a cup. Please don't pray for rain if you're going to complain about the mud. So, just a few thoughts about prayer. Often I think we underestimate the power of prayer. We forget to claim Hebrews 4.16, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We all have those situations come up. And the first thing we should be doing is praying. Donald Barnhouse often closed his church service with this prayer. Lord, dismiss us with your peace, except for those who don't know you. Keep them miserable until they come to know the Prince of Peace. That was his prayer. Definitely, we look at our country, we look at our state and county, desperately needs our prayers for repentance and revival as we claim the promise to Israel and by application to us in Second Chronicles 7.14, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. As I close out uh, the mission field of the military, my heart is still very heavy as I see the ripple effects of years of our nation turning our backs and shaking our fists at God who's blessed our country with so much. Recently heard a message by John MacArthur uh, when God abandons a nation and he was going through the book of Jeremiah and all the similarities of what's going on in our country. Our only hope is God and turning back to him in prayer, I believe, is the answer. Daniel 9, remember it's getting towards the end of the 70 years of captivity. He's been a POW for that time, and he knows the time is coming for them to return back to Jerusalem. And he prays and confesses the sins of the nation. I think we need to be doing that as well. Our Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1, he had someone go and look at the walls of Jerusalem were all torn down came back and it says Nehemiah responded. He got on his knees and he started to pray to God to please bring back to Jerusalem what they needed to rebuild those walls. And in God's timing, he led that group and they were able to accomplish the mission. This past Thursday was a national day of prayer, but the prominence of that in our country has been greatly diminished. So each of us, have a responsibility to do our part in praying to God daily and sometimes minute by minute. So join me this morning in the book of Acts, chapter 12. We're going to look at a tremendous story on the power of prayer. I think sometimes we think, well, does God hear me? Is God going to, to hear uh, my this need that's come before me? But here I believe in Acts 12, first 17 verses, we find four steps to unlocking the power of prayer in our daily lives. Whether we're dealing with physical struggles, relationship issues, stressful jobs, or a personal habit. I don't like this thing keep flicking. I'm just going to hold it. Acts 12, beginning 
Uh, at verse 1 is where we're going to look at these four steps. But first of all, let's, before we look at these uh, 17 verses, let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you this morning that you hear us. And Father, that you have called us, that you have, before the, before the earth was even made, Father, you've called us unto you. And Father, to be called your sons and daughters, what a privilege, what an honor to represent you upon this earth, not in our own strength, but only in yours. And Father, I pray as we look at this example of the power of prayer, that you would remind us that we would never underestimate what you are doing in our lives, through our lives, and sometimes despite what we do, but that we be that we would always be obedient to you in what you call us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just briefly, the background of this passage involves chapters 10 and 11, where the gospel is being introduced to the Gentiles. And that Gentile, of course, is everyone that's not a Jew. But the verses after our verses 1 to 17 also talk about Herod, King Herod, who wanted to be popular by killing Christians. Now, that's how he thought people would like him. The, the Jewish leaders would like him when he would uh, persecute or kill believers. And so, in the middle of that are these 17 verses in Acts 12. And that first step we want to look at this morning, the unlocking the power of prayer in our daily lives, is we see a need arises. Verses 1 to 4, follow with me. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. The first step, a need definitely arises. Uh, John MacArthur shares the following about King Herod. He reigned for about eight years, A.D. 37 to 44, the grandson of Herod the Great. He ran up all kinds of debts in Rome, and then he fled to Palestine. He was imprisoned by Emperor Tiberius after he made some insulting comments to the emperor, and then he was eventually released when that emperor died. He was made ruler of the northern part of Palestine and become popular with the Jews there. Uh, he fostered favor with them by persecuting and sometimes killing Christians. It also says here James, the brother of John, had just been killed with the sword. And, of course, the Jewish religious leaders approved of it. So since executing James was so popular with the Jews, Herod, as Peter arrested during the, the Days of Unleavened Bread, which was the weekly feast following the Passover, and since they could have no executions during that week, Peter's put on death row. And it says he has 16 soldiers guarding him on six-hour rotations. So each shift, he would have two soldiers that would be chained to him and then two at the entrance there where he was in prison. So always four at a time. 
But I believe, and it doesn't say this, but I believe Peter was probably visiting with them about Jesus during that time as well, witnessing to him. Because Peter, as we know, we sometimes forget he was a great evangelist. He didn't just deny Jesus three times. He walked on water. He was one that Jesus turned to and said, Upon my church, I will build that upon you, you the rock, speaking of Peter, And so Peter sometimes ran ahead of it, but his heart and intention, I think, was always to somehow do what he needed to do for the Lord. And that, I think, is something very, very important in our lives. So, it's very focused there that the church in that area decided they needed to start praying for James. What about our lives? Do we have needs come up? Two of the most popular booklets, at the jail, this is one called Praying with Confidence. And I try to get as many large print as I can because some of the lighting, believe it or not, Pinellas County Jail isn't the best. And so I try to get large print. This is one. These are all put out by Radio Bible Class who uh, puts out the daily breads. And so they're all Bible-based and, and very much a help uh, to inmates. Another one, Jesus Blueprint for Prayer by Hayden Robinson. Very popular uh, with inmates, we try to give out uh, as we talk to them on, on different issues. But do we have needs come up in our life? Here's one coming up, uh, a very definite need in the life of Peter. He's on death row. He's going to be executed. And so the church uh, is going to need to try to do something about that with God's help. But do we ever have needs come up in our lives? Crisis takes place. I remember early on in my ministry, about, this was about 2002, we had lived here a couple of years, and I remember getting a call from a sergeant saying, Chaplain, can you get over to the Tampa General Hospital? We have a soldier whose wife was hit T-bone in, in a car accident and doesn't look like she's going to make it. I remember getting over there, and I remember the family was all in one room, and I remember the, they were... Briefly filling me in, they said she don't, they don't think she's going to make it. Uh, maybe she has an hour or two left. I remember getting on my knees there beside that young lady. And they were giving her blood as quickly it was going through her, literally. And they just kept giving her more blood, more blood. And, and there was even blood dripping on the, on the floor there where she was laying. And, I remember praying to God and saying, God, this is all in your hands. We're all in your hands anyway. But if it be within your will to have her survive so that we know that she's had an opportunity to accept Jesus as her personal Savior. And I remember going into that little room and not really knowing what do you say to the family. They're all there crying. They don't know what's going on. They they know this young lady is not expected to make it. But you know she made it. God provided a miracle there and was able to witness to her. And I hope she accepted Christ. All we can do sometimes is plant the seed, but it's God who does it all anyway. But I'm praying that He did. But we don't know when those kind of opportunities will come our way. And when we say, well, I don't know what I'm going to say in that kind of situation, God says, that's okay. I'll give you the words at the time you need it so that you know what to say and how to respond. So we all do have needs that come up in our lives. 
Here's uh, what one person said. I'm going to briefly share this. This is a teacher who's applying for a job. This was written a couple years ago, but here's what this person shares. After being interviewed by the school administrator, the eager teacher prospect said, let me see if I've got this right. You want me to go into that room with all those kids and fill their every waking moment with a love of learning, and I'm supposed to instill a sense of pride in their ethnicity, modify their disruptive behavior, observe them for signs of abuse, and even censor their T-shirt messages and dress habits. You want me to wage a war on drugs, check their backpacks for weapons, and raise their self-esteem. You want me to teach them patriotism, good citizenship, sportsmanship, fair play, how to register to vote, how to balance a checkbook, and how to apply for a job. I am to check their heads for lice, maintain a safe environment, recognize signs of antisocial behavior, make sure all students pass the state exams, even those who don't come to school. Plus, I am to make sure that all of my students with handicaps get uh, equal education regardless of the extent of their mental or physical handicap. I am to communicate regularly with the parents by letter, email, telephone, newsletter, and report card. All of this I am to do with just a piece of chalk, a computer, a few books, a bulletin board, of course they have a few other things there, a big smile and a starting salary that qualifies my family for food stamps. You want me to do all this and then you tell me I can't pray? <laughs> just some thoughts there. Just kind of think about that for a moment. We have all those kind of situations come up in our lives every day. God says, how are you going to handle this one? I gave you one maybe yesterday, last week, and you kind of went your own way for a while. Then you came to me. What are you going to do this time? Are you going to let me have total control of it? Are you going to search the Scriptures? Are you going to ask God, what do you want me to do in this situation? You know, he's got an answer right there. But sometimes we're just not listening. We're not hearing that answer. So what should be our response when a need arises? Well, let's look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. What's the second step? Our response needs to be intense prayer. Intense prayer. The members of the Jerusalem Bible Church went to their knees in intercessory prayer for Peter. A continual, constant prayer chain on behalf of Peter who was on death row during that week. Have any of us uh, ever been in a crisis situation where we knew other believers were praying for us? Anyone ever had that happen? That's right, they have. I remember back in 2004 with our car accident, head on, 80 miles an hour by a guy on crack being chased by the Clearwater police. And they came to the car and thought they'd find us in the trunk, dead. But God spared us. And I remember at the time of the Sunday school class, I think that was when you know, Jack Jenkins was still here. And I remember they said, you know, what can we do? Can we bring you meals and all that? Well, initially you don't know how hurt you are until <laughs> the next morning when you can't get up. And you're so stiff, you say, you know, what really happened? Because it happened so quickly. 
But I remember during that time, several fellow believers said, you know, we're praying for you. We're bringing you before the Lord during this time of recovery. And we could tell that. And I know all of us could share times in our lives where we knew fellow believers were praying for us. That intercessory prayer, what an opportunity we have. Sometimes someone's not in a position they even know how to pray. But we as fellow believers can always bring each other before God's throne. And what a privilege we have. Intercessory prayer is spoken of quite often in the Bible, different characters. Joshua, remember he was leading a battle. And it says in Joshua 7, he prayed and he said, God, could you have the sun stay up a little longer? And what happened? The sun stayed up a little bit longer and they were able to win that battle. Joshua prayed on behalf of the army at that point. He interceded for them and God answered it so they could win that battle. Growing up, I remember my grandfather, a huge prayer warrior. He spent two to three hours a day in prayer. And I remember one day he was upstairs. I remember the little stairway and I was going up there and I didn't know he was praying at the time. And I remember hearing him pray and he said, Now, he says, I want to pray for my grandson that he would consider full-time ministry at some point in his life. I was like 12, 13 years old. And I thought, no, no, Grandpa, don't pray that. You know, that's uh, full-time ministry. That's that's not on the agenda at this point. But I still remember that. All the intercessory prayer. Every week he'd go to the pastor and get a list of what he could pray for that week. And he prayed for those items every day. We need to pause for a moment. Why do we pray? Does anyone have any ideas? Why do we pray? The divine appointments He makes every one of our lives. We just have to be aware of it. We've got to be looking through God's eyes at, at those opportunities. Sometimes it's with those people we can't stand, right? Honestly. But we pray for them anyway. And we pray for those who persecute us. God tells us to do that. It's because they're accountable to God for that. But we pray for them because we're concerned about their souls. Paul was persecuting and killing Christians before he became a believer. And God turned him around. So we need to pray for each other. And we need to take those opportunities to spend then time in fervent prayer. Third step in locking the power of prayer, we need to pray anticipating or expecting God's answer. Beginning of verse 6, And on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side, roused him saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to them, said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. 
Here we have the scene. Peter's on death row. He's going to be executed the next day. And his church, the Jerusalem church, have been praying for him all during this week, praying uh, that God would intervene in some way to help Peter. And Peter, it says, is sound asleep. Can you imagine that? He's not writing down any last letter. He's not saying, here's what I want for my last meal. He's sound asleep. Chained between two soldiers and an angel literally had to whack him on the side to wake him up. That's how sound asleep that he was. How could he be that sound asleep? How could he be sleeping like that where an angel could barely able to wake him is because he was at peace with God. I think uh, great verses that we can always think of, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I believe that's the peace Peter had here. That's why he could sleep soundly the day before they were going to take him out and kill him. The angel does instruct Peter, get up quickly. As he gets up, his chains fall off. He's told, get dressed, put on a coat, follow the angel. And the angel and Peter, they go through the different gates. They go to the iron gate of the prison. It all opens up. And suddenly, Peter's out there in the middle of the street and the angel's gone. Imagine that. And who's still praying for him? The believers in Jerusalem Bible Church, they're still praying for Peter. That intercessory prayer. And here's Peter. He's not sure once he's out on the street, am I dreaming this or is this real? It was real. A miracle in response to those praying for Peter all week. When we pray, do we expect God to answer? We say, well, God, I'm going to bring this before you, but I know you might not be listening today, so I don't, I don't know, I'll throw it out there. You decide to hear it or answer it. We should never be surprised when God answers and with God's answer that it's far more than we can even imagine in the first place. Remember uh, the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 with the prophet Elisha. Remember he prayed and he anticipated God answering his prayer and he said, his servant came up to him and said, Sir, we're surrounded. We're surrounded by the enemy. They're going to come get us in the morning. We're going to die. And Elisha said, Lord, please open the eyes of my servant that he can see your army is out here. And so he prayed, anticipating God's answer. And that servant of Elisha looked around and he could see God's army. Far bigger, far more powerful than the army that physically was there that was going to, he thought, come in and kill them. God is all-powerful. I think sometimes I forget that. There's nothing beyond God. There's nothing God can't handle. Nothing that God cannot answer in our lives. And He answers it in mighty ways, doesn't He? How many times have we almost given up on a situation 
We say, as, as last week we looked at, but the Lord. I don't know what to do in this situation, but the Lord gave me this answer. He intervened. He had an answer waiting for me. But again, it was in His timing. And when it came, I couldn't even imagine it was going to be that great answer. We underestimate Him, our all-powerful God. The fourth and final step in unlocking the power of prayer begins at verse 11 and it talks about that we must respond with thanks. Beginning at verse 11, And when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. What's going on here? He's heading for the Jerusalem Bible Church that's meeting in a home. Because God has delivered him. These believers have been praying all week for a miracle, for God's intervention with Peter. He's been on death row awaiting to be executed the next day. And an angel came, sent from God, that walked him out of the prison. And as he walked out, he was on the street wondering, am I dreaming or is this real? It was real. Now he's going to head over to the church. And he wants to share something with them. Verse 13, we see a kind of an unexpected encounter taking place. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. So the gate, someone was knocking. They could hear it. And they said, Rhoda, you go over there to the door and find out who's at the door. We need to keep praying. We need to keep bringing Peter before God. We're going to continue to pray that God will answer and He will deliver Peter. But then it says in verse 14 as we continue, And when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she didn't open the gate. She hears Peter outside knocking. Please let me in. And she recognizes his voice, but she's so excited. Verse 14, she ran in and announced Peter standing in front of the gate. Instead of opening the gate so Peter could come in, She's so excited, she runs back and says, Time out, wait a minute. I know we're all praying for Peter. I heard his voice. He's right out there. And of course, as soon as she told them, they all said, Praise God, he answered our prayer. Let's see, we're verse 15. Here's their answer. They said to her, You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. Wow. Say, wow, how could they not believe this? They've been praying for this all week. Sometimes when God gives us that answer too, we're saying, no, no, that that can't be that. It's not the answer God's giving me. Uh, I, I can't believe it. And here these prayer warriors are almost, I can imagine the disturbance going on in the home. They're saying, quit bothering us, Rhoda. We're still praying. Uh, don't bother us. That, that's just His angel. You're thinking about it. We're thinking about Peter. And so you maybe just thought you heard Peter at the gate knocking, waiting to come in to share 
God is all-powerful. God has heard your prayer and God has answered your prayer. But she uh, is very persistent. Peter's very persistent here because she keeps telling him it's so. I guess if you heard somebody's voice, you kind of recognize it, don't we normally? On the phone or something, someone will call and we kind of recognize that voice and begin to, oh yeah, how are you doing, Bill? How are you doing, Joe or Ellen or whoever it is? And we recognize their voice. And so she did recognize his voice. She kept saying, he's at the door. And they kept saying, now, first you're crazy. And then it's his angel. It's not really Peter. But then verse 16, Peter keeps knocking. He's still knocking at the door. He couldn't get in yet. And they keep kind of saying, well, you know, God can't answer this. God isn't going to answer it or we're just going to keep praying. We don't want to be bothered with answers. But then in verse 16, it continues, when they had opened it, they saw him and were amazed. They're shocked. Wow. They opened the door. There's Peter standing there. The one that's going to be executed the next morning. And because of his persistence and the persistence of this young lady who kept telling him that that's Peter out there, didn't give up, and finally they open the door and it says that they're amazed. God had answered prayer, hadn't He? And we talked about it a little bit earlier at our table over here. Why is it so important that we share answered prayer in our lives? Why do you think that's important? Anyone have an idea? Why do we share that God worked in my life in this way and answered this prayer? Why do we need to share answers to prayer? Increases our faith and encourages each other. Glorifies God. Okay? Gives us courage for the future. And as we looked at last week, Paul was looking back in his past. He had seen how God had worked in his life. That gives us hope. That gives us encouragement for tomorrow. And as I tell inmates, and I try to remind myself, and I tell soldiers as well, today is a gift from God. God says, use today wisely. There's only going to be one May 5, 2013. And when tomorrow hits and it's May 6, this will be yesterday. We only have one day today to serve God for Him. We don't know. God could take any one of us home today. But He always wants us to be ready. And in the meantime, He wants us to be ready with an answer. And when someone comes up and says, you say you're a Christian, what does that mean? Or we go through a trial and God has answered and saw us through, and they'll say, why didn't you get angry? Why didn't you just throw your hands up in the air like everybody else? could say, because God makes the difference. As I walk with the Lord, like Enoch walked with God, and one day God just ushered him up into heaven. That should be our daily walk. That should be our time of just taking it a step at a time every day, trusting Him. We need to respond with thanks. Verse 17, it says, But motioning to them with His hand, I'm sure they were all excited. Now they saw Him at the door and they realize it's not a ghost and this young lady's not crazy. And they open the door and they see Peter. Verse 17, motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison, and he said, report these things to James and the brethren, and he departed and went to another place. Peter's saying, it was all God. 
That's where the bottom line is. We need to give the glory for the answers to prayer to God. Not take partial credit. Not say, well, I got through it and God helped me. No, it's all God. And that's why it's so important that we're thankful. Are we thankful for answered prayers? Now, the story in Luke 17, remember the ten lepers that came and they wanted to be healed by Jesus? And they all went to the priest and while they were going to the priest, they were healed of their leprosy. And how many came back? Out of the ten? One. And what did Jesus say? Where are the others? I have to look at my own life too. Do I thank God when He brings that answer to prayer and give Him the glory totally? I don't want Him to have to say, where's the other nine and I'm one of those nine who didn't come back and thank Him. I think it's very easy we get so tied up in the rat race of life to forget when God answers prayer to go back and thank Him. Not just come to Him and say, Lord, I've got another list. There's ten more things that that I want you to work out in my life. Rather say, here's ten things I want to thank you for. Here's one thing I want to ask you for. God has a plan for every one of us. And sometimes that plan isn't according to our plan, is it? God says, I'm going to take you around this corner. And we're saying, Lord, I don't know. I can't really see around that corner. He says, trust me. I know what's coming. But I kind of hear a semi might be coming at a loud noise over there says, trust me. You get around that corner, I'm right there with you. If I need to pull you out of the way of the semi, I'll pull you out of the way. But trust me in the meantime, come to God in prayer all the time about everything. I praise God He never gets tired of our prayers, does He? doesn't say, I'm tired of listening to you, John. That's the tenth time today. Tenth time in the last hour. I don't want to hear anymore. He never tires of us praying because while we pray, I think all of our prayers, we need to begin with thanks. Thank You, Lord, for who You are. Thankful that that You are willing to hear our prayers, that You as the Creator of the universe saved us. That we're chosen of Him to walk with Him on this earth however many days He asks us to, to walk with Him a day at a time. Trusting Him. We all have mission fields around us. Whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's with family, whether it's at job, whether it's going to public, we have mission fields around us. And so when those situations come up and we don't know what to do, God says, good. I'll tell you what to do when you need to know what to do. Study My Word. Obey Me. Spend time in prayer. Fellowship with other believers. Walk with me a day at a time. You must never underestimate the power of prayer before God. Never give up. Always be in an attitude of prayer. If a situation looks hopeless, remember God's specialty is the impossible. When we let go of a situation and allow God to work, then He gets all the glory and He deserves that. None of it to us. Daniel, we spent all night in a lion's den. None of us, I don't believe, have ever done that. I spent all night in a lion's den. It says he was praying all night. I'd be praying too, wouldn't you? 
They throw you down in there with hungry lions. But an angel of God was there protecting him. He didn't know that was going to happen, did he? But that was God's answer. And so, when he got pulled out he, and the king came up to him and said, Daniel, are you okay? And they pulled him out. Maybe find, might think that he's probably dead. He says, O king, forever, live forever. But he gave the glory to who? Back to God. He said, God protected me. God was with me. Just like He is with us every day. Every second we're here on this earth, God is with us. And we need to give Him the glory. When we follow these steps, a need arising, fervent prayer, anticipating God's answer and giving thanks to God, we will have opportunities every day to see God's power in our lives firsthand. Because God is waiting for us to come to Him to allow Him to work in our lives, through our lives, and sometimes despite our lives. But that's God. That's who He is. But we understand, do we understand everything about God? No. We don't. In fact, I think our minds would blow up. God said, okay, now I'm going to explain to you what eternal means. Say, whoa, man, I can't, I can't take that. I don't understand that. We accept that by faith. And trust in God. He's eternal. He's holy. He's long-suffering, isn't He, with us? I know He is with me. And He never gives up on us. I praise God for that. He never quits on us, even though at times we turn away from Him. So I just want to encourage you this morning in, in prayer, never in this, to make God spend that attitude, that mind of praying without ceasing. Having that attitude that no matter what comes, I'm going to give it to God first and I'm going to allow Him to work out the best answer because He doesn't give second best, does He? It's always the best. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, thank You today again for Your Word, for this story out of Peter's life in Acts 12. Thank the Lord that it's such an encouragement to know that Sometimes we pray and the answer is right there and we don't answer the door. We're thankful with Peter's example that he was sleeping soundly, expecting to be executed the next morning, and yet he still had your peace because his trust was in you. Father, help us to never underestimate the power of prayer and putting our total trust in you in every situation. Encourage us to build on our prayer life to even spend for spending five minutes a day, at least spending five minutes uninterrupted in prayer before you. Help us and remind us to be thankful to you as you've blessed us in so many ways. Give us your peace, your strength, your guidance for today and the wisdom that we need. And may we be the light and salt that you've commanded us to be. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.